These are the commands, decrees, and laws the Lord your God directed me to teach you to observe in the land that you are crossing the Jordan to possess, so that your children and their children after them may fear the Lord your God as long as you live by keeping all His decrees and commands that I give you, and so that you may enjoy long life. Hear, Israel. And be careful to obey, so that it may go well with you, and that you may increase greatly in a land flowing with milk and honey, just as the Lord, the God of your ancestors, promised you. Verse four: Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. Here ends the reading. And uh, it's my delight to be here with you. Pastor Joel is in America um, visiting family, taking a little bit of holiday time. I do find it interesting that after the IT guy is up here, this is what I find on the screen. It is uh, totally Appleized or whatever it is there. So I just let them know up in the sound booth. I have no control down here until updates are completed. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, maybe they can they can work with me on that. I was going to control it from down here, but uh, it's about at forty eight percent or something now. So <laughs> anyway, it's a delight a delight to be here. That helps, doesn't it? I don't know if you can see it, but the little wheel's going around and around. There it is. Okay. Um, so anyway, uh, that wasn't exactly how I had planned on getting started here, but uh, it looks like this will this will do. Um, I am delighted to say that this week, my wife Marianne and I start week four in Hong or start year four in Hong Kong. Um, last, uh, last week we completed uh, three years here in Hong Kong. It has been an absolute delight. It has really been a whirlwind of ministry and things going on. Um, I have, it's, it's, it's way beyond what I ever expected, and it's just a delight to be here with you. Um, so that's, that's just so exciting. Um, something that, that uh, obviously things happened over the last three years, uh, that I didn't anticipate when I signed up to come here, and I'm not referring to the last couple months. Um, I came here with Pastor Mike, and then God called him elsewhere. And so that kind of changed a lot of what was going on, and really, literally, for the last 12 months, a lot of my time has been involved in children's ministry. Because 18 months ago, we lost our children's director, 
she went with her husband, Pastor Mike, uh, to America. And so that was uh, quite a change for us. And into that void stepped a number of volunteers, and some real key volunteers became the leadership team, people that directed our ministry and kept it going for, these, uh, for this, this last year. And during this time, um, we have created a handbook to guide our ministries, and also starting next week, I want to be sure that you realize this, discipleship classes will be starting again for children and youth starting next Sunday. So we encourage you to have children and youth here at 9.30. It's amazing what God can do through them. And so what we have done is we have created teams of people to minister to, to the children. We've divided up this paid position into a lot of smaller chunks. And we have six teams, each with volunteers, that are ready to go starting next week. It's just, just phenomenal what God is doing. And the core of what we're about is helping children to become disciples. Now, disciples, um, I can do it on the little version, but going to get the big version now. Um, the disciples is a, is a word that isn't used by children a lot. So we want children to know God, love God, and obey God. And you'll see that on some shirts here this morning uh, with, with uh, that statement on there. Um, and so this morning what I want to do is I want to share with you some of the things that I shared with our children's ministry volunteers. By the way, we have 35 some of them um, it's just phenomenal the response that you've given to minister to our children. And I want to share with you from God's Word the importance and value of children's ministry. Now I want to head this off right now because some of you are going to be sitting out there saying, uh, don't have any children, not married, um, don't have anything to do with this. Um, I believe that there are things that you can do because the children will obviously benefit as we understand God's Word. Parents will obviously benefit. But each one of us can benefit as we learn how God works with a life and disciples them from the time they're young until they're old. Because the same pattern can be something that we follow in our life. Each one of us needs to come to God, and each one of us needs to grow. And if we come to Christ at, at, at 35 or 13, these are some of the same things that we need to go as a part of our life. Something else that you'll find is that as you get involved in doing ministry, that might be going to the Congo and helping with New Sight, or that might be getting involved on the fourth floor with our children, as you get involved in ministry, there will be incredible growth that happens in your life. You'll be studying God's Word. You'll be figuring out ways to share that with a child or with somebody in the Congo. And through that process, you will grow, I guarantee it. And so where we, what we want to do first is we want to look at the scripture that Erida read for us. And by the way, Erida is one of our, uh, a member of our children's leadership team. And uh, I see some very important principles. If you keep the scripture open before you, you can see some of these things. There's some, some, some important principles. And from these principles, we decide how to do ministry. We don't decide, oh, this is the newest trend, this is what we want to do, and so we're going to do it on our children. Now we first of all look at God's Word, and I'm going to take you through a couple places of Scripture. We look at God's Word and see what it is we're supposed to be doing, then we figure out how we do it. 
And one of the things that we find out, a very important principle here, is that these things, these, these teachings, this, this, this teaching from God, first of all, needs to be upon your heart. We don't go in and do something to the children that isn't, first of all, on my heart. Now, why? Why? Well, we'd be hypocrites, first of all, and we'd be missing out on a whole lot of what God wants to do. But children can see through things that are phony. And they learn, actually they learn more from what they see us doing than what they hear us saying. And so it needs to be there. It needs to be upon our heart. Um, This is almost like the baptism we had. (laughs) I don't know, uh, we had... Last week we had the Sunday baptism. On Saturday we had we had a baptism. And right as Pastor Joel was ready to dunk someone under, the biggest clap of thunder I've ever heard was right out there. You can actually find it. Some some people have it on um, on their uh, video. They they have that, and you can you can get that. But um, there needs to be a fear of the Lord. Now, not a trum- not a trembling because of the rumblings. We have a fear of the Lord because we realize that He is more important than anything else. God, we, we fear God more than we fear our friends or what's going on in society or our own feelings. We fear God and we put God first because we understand who He is. We revere God above all else. And then these commands are to be taught to your children. This implies some intentional activity that's going on there. It's not just any teacher prepares a lesson plan, decides what's the best way to sort out this material and present it to the students that they have. We are to teach this in a similar way. We're to impress them on our children. We're to talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your house and on your gates. You see, it's, it's a daily part of life. The teaching doesn't just happen where we sit down for a few moments and say, we're going to learn now. The teaching comes throughout the week as we live our lives in our daily situations. Now there's something that's in, that, that is really interesting here. If you'll go ahead, if you have your Bible there, and, and look at verse 20. I don't have it for the, for the screen here. But if you look at verse 20, it says, In the future when your son asks you, What is the meaning of the stipulations, decrees, and laws of the Lord your God has commanded you? You see what's going on here? God is so much part of your daily life. You've got signs above your doorpost. You've got pictures in your house. You're talking about God all the time. And your son comes to you or your daughter comes to you and does the thing that they say so often. What's the most common question of a three or four or maybe a five-year-old child? Exactly, you got it. Why? They'll ask, why? Parents, you know what's going on. Why? And what do you say? You get tired of it. Sixth, seventh, eighth, twentieth time that day. Why? I found out, I found out that why in, in, in America, in English we use why. I found out different languages say it differently. And I found out that if I say why around here people think I'm answering the phone. 
But it's a But it's a question that they ask. And do you see what happens? As we live God on a daily basis, the children will start asking us. And when they ask a question, it gives us an opportunity to answer. Why do we have prayer before meals? We say because God's important to us and we want to acknowledge Him each time. Why does our family go to church? My friends' families don't go to church. We answer these questions because it's a daily part of our life and we're communicating it to our children. It's amazing what children pick up. And there's more in here, but the last one that I want to talk about is that we find from this scripture that it's the responsibility of the parents to teach God's principles to their children. Why? That's the parents who probably have the most time with the child. And by the way, if you have someone else taking care of your children, be sure you know where they stand with the Lord so that they can have an opportunity to influence that child for Christ. But it is the responsibility of the parents to teach their children about the truths of God, and we find this being given in the context of the greater faith community. Moses is out there teaching the Israelites this before they go into the promised land. The whole community is gathered together, and he's telling them this. And so as a church, we have a responsibility collectively to minister to the children, to support the parents, to be a part of the spiritual faith formation of the children. And so this gets to be um, quite a task for us. It's very important. But do you see, as we pass the faith on from generation to generation to generation, it has to be something that the children grab a hold of and make it theirs. And it's easiest, I'll let you know, it's easiest to start early. But you can start now. Now is better than next week or next year. Pass this faith on to children. So something else that I, that I did, and, and, I, and I hope that everyone that's been in the orientation classes is saying, I've seen that before. Good, because I want you to see what God's view is of children. This is what we want to do. Because what we want to do, the, the choice that we may, need to make, and it's what Pastor Joel will be talking about when he gets into the Experiencing God series. What we need to do is we need to line up with God. We don't ask God to bless what I'm doing. What if I'm doing something terrible? What if I'm doing something that's just good and God wants the best? We line up with God. So we need to know what God's view is of children. And then we align our views with Him. So the first thing that we find is that children are valuable to God. Now you need to realize that the context of the, the period of time when the Bible was written, children were not thought of as very valuable. They were a second-rate person until they, until they grew up. Some of that probably came from the child mortality rate of so many children dying young that uh, they weren't invested in. But children are valuable to God. I've given you a number of scriptures in your, in your handout paper but let's just look at Psalm 127.3. Children are a heritage from the Lord. 
offspring, a reward from Him. Children are valuable to God. The next thing that we find is that children are able to understand much about God. Sometimes we think, well, I'm not going to teach them very much because they can't understand very much. No, that means you need to change the way you teach it so that they can understand it. And I would dare challenge you, too, to think about the things of God. Can you understand everything about God? Okay, explain the Trinity to me. Okay, how about the end times? You have all that figured out? You learn it at the age that you can. And you grow from there. Uh, Proverbs, and once again, there's more scriptures on, on your paper. Proverbs 22.6, start children off in the way that they should go. And even when they're old, they'll not turn from it. It's valuable to invest in children. They can understand things about God. Not in the sophisticated way as if you had a PhD from a seminary. But they can understand it in a very real way by knowing who God is. And the third thing here that becomes the, the, the foundation of what we're about is that children are able to, to respond to God. Now, all the scriptures there are rather long. They won't, they won't fit on the slide. But think about Samuel. The first Samuel passage there, 1 Samuel chapter 3. Samuel, as a young boy, went to the temple. His mother um, dedicated him to the temple to be of, be of help at the temple. And there was a night when Samuel heard God's voice. He didn't know what was being said. This voice was saying, Samuel, Samuel. And he had to go to the priest Eli to ask him what's going on. And the priest told him what what to do. He said, when you hear that voice again, just say, speak, Lord, for your servant's listening. What a powerful answer. It's something all of us can do. When we hear God's voice, we don't question it. We don't come up with excuses why we can't do it. We just say, speak, Lord. For your servants listening. And Samuel responded and came, and came um, to God and did God's work. Samuel became one of the great uh, uh, prophets, or one of the great uh, um, prophets of the Old Testament. Um, and you see how God used him during that time. And so because children are valuable, it's worth investing in them. Because they can understand, it's worth teaching them. Because children are able to respond, we can challenge them to live the things that we're teaching so that they are able to know, where's those shirts? Know, love, obey God. It's not just a knowledge component. It gets to the heart and gets out into their life so that on a daily basis they're living for God. So I just want to... um, um, get myself back uh, here, children are valuable to God, Um, I want to um, talk about the idea that we plan to minister to our children. It doesn't happen by accident. All the teachers know that they need to be there 15 minutes early, they need to work on their lesson through the week, they're ready to go the moment a child comes in. We're planning to minister to the children. And parents, I hope that you're doing the same thing. You're planning to minister to the children that you have impact over. Personally, Marianne and and, and our children are out of the home. But now we have grandchildren that we can invest in. 
this uh, uh, teaching was given to your children and your children's children. To you, your children, and your children's children. And so we can see how that works. We want to be planning to work with our children. Now in May, and get the significance, the month of May this month, just think about the context of of what's going on. In May, Pastor Joel, the under-shepherds, and myself, we went uh, for a two-day retreat to talk about where we felt God was leading us, and how do we plan that. And Pastor Joel um, talked to us to be thinking in terms of one year, three years, and five years. And I had to put that into the context of discipleship ministries with, with children, um, with uh, the community groups and the things that we're doing here um, at AIC. And it was quite a challenge. It was quite a, 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 it was a good time to see what God is saying, and it's helping direct where we're going. But in the month of May, we did that, and I was thinking five, maybe ten years out, and then June came. It was just a few weeks after our planning retreat. And it hit me. What happens if he asked us to plan 28 years out? What would it be like? What would our children's ministry be like if I was thinking 28 years ahead? I would sure say I want to invest in every single child that I can between now and then so that they can know God, love God, obey God while we have the opportunity to do it. Amen. But then what happened is, you know, no childhood, at least I hope not, no childhood lasts 28 years. (laughs) If it is, uh, there's some problems, okay? So you need to think in terms of what do you have? You have, a, you have a one-year-old, a 15-year-old? What time do you have? How can you minister? How can you share? How can you pour yourself into who God is? So that they have an understanding of who God is. I had a very eye-opening experience a number of years ago when I was a youth pastor. We had a group of, of children. We, we, I was actually overseeing quite a wide span of, of children by that time. But we took the, the, the children that were about age 11, 12, 13, 14, somewhere in there, um, the younger teen years, and we decided that what we wanted to do in their children's Sunday school was to get, have them learn the basics of what the Bible is about. There's 66 books. Do they know the order of those books? Do they know what they are? Can they tell a major character, a major person from those books so that when they hear the name of somebody, we had the name in the the song that the choir sang. Thank you for singing that. We had a number of Old Testament names and stories alluded to in that song. Could you recognize each one of them? Did you have something to put in your your head when they sang um, about those Old Testament characters? We wanted our children to have that, both Old Testament and New Testament, where they knew all 66 books in order, they knew a major character from each book, and they knew a major theme that was presented from each book. We did that. We're, we're, we're going to be working that way here at AIC. But something stunning happened at the end of the year. I was bold enough to say that in Sunday school we're going to have a test at the end of the year. And it was quite simple. We had three things that we wanted each child to know. And so the test was quite easy to make up. 
The books that we looked at with that group of kids during that period of time, um, put the book in order, give us a main character, give us a main event. And do you know what I found out? I started seeing as the tests came back, and we did this more than one year, I started seeing as the tests came back that some children were about at the 50% range, you know, 40, 50, maybe 60% of the answers correct. And then there was a whole other group that was about 90, 95%, almost 100% of them getting, getting it right. And I'm wondering, what's going on here? Why are we able to teach some of them and not the others? And so I started looking at the names that were attached with each one of them. And I saw a direct correlation between the attendance book and their answers on the test. If they showed up, the teachers could teach them. If they weren't there, they didn't have the opportunity. That's the critical importance of planning to teach your children. Doing it in the home, doing it through the church, the opportunities that children have to know God, to love God, to obey God. And so I want to just turn the page just a little bit here. I, I can't touch on this much, but I do want to talk a, a little bit about the different milestones that we have. You can go through child psychology classes, and I've been to a number of those. You can go through um, development books, but we want to look spiritually at the different ages of the children and what are they able to do. And so just think about the age of the children that you have. And by the way, if you're, if you're hearing this, this message here this morning and all of your kids are teens or older, you can still work on some of these things. There's just special opportunities that we have. Like for the babies, the young ones, age two and under, they, are, they should have the opportunity to experience God as a regular rhythm of the family. There should be family devotions. Can they say anything? Can they participate in it? Yeah, they can participate, they can be there, but they're not going to understand much, but they will realize that there's a connection between important things that mom and dad do and God. It's going to be their first opportunity to understand God. They'll be able to observe godly interactions between the parents. And hopefully the pattern is established for regular church attendance, that the church is valuable to the family. When you get uh, into the early childhood years, maybe age three through five, they can be exposed to a broad number of stories. It's amazing what, what uh, children can start learning. They'll hear the stories of the Bible. They'll, they'll get an opportunity to hear those kinds of things. They'll have interactions with other church people and see how other families live. They'll be having a loving atmosphere to experience God. And they'll start learning discipline. Because discipline, internal discipline, is important in being a disciple of Jesus Christ. We'll have all kinds of things pulling us away, but discipline needs to start early. And I might say, starting early is better than starting later. It's a whole lot easier working with a 3-year-old on discipline than a 13-year-old. 13-year-olds, if nothing else, are bigger. And so you can, you can work on those kinds of things. So the primary ages, ages 6, uh, 7, 8, 9, it's a great time to learn Bible stories, to observe Christian role models. Their minds are open for Scripture memory. And they can learn the basics of salvation and the reason that they need to have a relationship with God. These things should be started while they're a child. 
You get into those middle years of 10, 12, 13 years old, and they can then begin to start connecting the stories. You know, there's years of time between some of these stories. Some stories are Old Testament, some stories are New Testament. And these characters, but they can start connecting the stories and put truth to them and learn that it's more than just understanding the stories. It's putting it in their heart and living it out. But you know, a great opportunity, a great thing that you give to a child in their early years is those stories. It becomes a grid for putting the Bible into context as they get older. Children can start developing devotional habits. They should be having their own quiet time with God. And parents, you can be a big part of helping that happen. And once they get to be a teenager, the biggest thing I can say is they need to be able to articulate, they need to be able to say what the Christian worldview is because they have people all around them that have something else. They have a different worldview. And as teenagers, we need to help them understand what it means to think like Jesus, think with the the, the glasses that God gives us to see the world from His perspective. And a big part of that comes in something that that I have uh, found as a a resource where we look at how we work with a child with five key areas. This could be a child, this could be a new believer. We want a child to have, now there's more on your paper and you'll fill in some blanks, but think first about these five terms. Children need to know their identity, they need to know how to walk, they need to know how to talk, they need to know how to feed, and they need to know how to clean. If you take those five things, you can put them quickly into categories that children need to have. And as new believers, we need to have these things too. We need to have them in our life. And as we mature, these things need to become the foundation. If one of these are missing, I would dare say that there's going to be some stumbling blocks to growing further with God. Let me explain what these are. The first thing that I want to say is that they need to know their identity. Our children need to know whose family they belong to. Somehow all the children come in here in the morning, and uh, in the afternoon they all go home with the right family. At least we hope so, don't we? (laughs) They go home because they know whose they belong to. And it's your family that gives you some identity. There's, it's your family that sometimes gives you that purpose and direction in life. And you say that you do things because you're a part of that family. As a Christian, they need to know that they are part of God's family. They need to know that there's a whole world around them and there's all kinds of competition for who they are. But their identity is radically different from the identity put on us by the world. These are things that our children need. They need to not only know who I am, but they need to know whose I am. We're owned by God. We're identifying with God. Identifying with the world rather than with Christ will cause our children to grow up like the world rather than like Christ. So we need to make this identity strong. Strong enough for them to be out in the world but not be of the world. To go from home to school to the community 
and launch them out to university in their young adult years, knowing that they're a part of God's family. Because I dare say that most of the universities you go to are going to be looking at the world through a different set of eyes. They need to know where they come from. The next thing that we have is learning to walk. And this gets kind of funny. Uh, Matter of fact, uh, we do connect with our grandchildren. And anybody who wants to see it, just uh, check with me after the service, and I can show you a video that I just got this morning of our one, slightly over one-year-old, walking. (laughs) Okay? They said, uh, the, the caption that came with it, if anybody wants to walk with Lydia, you can see this. So we, we did, and uh, um, it's kind of cute. If she continues to walk like that when she's sick, she's going to be in trouble. <laughs> and we can laugh about that because it's kind of funny, and unfortunately there are some children that have difficulties and, and need to do that. But how are we walking with the Lord? Walking with the Lord means to li- learning to live like Jesus. We each need to learn to live like Jesus. We need to learn to trust the Holy Spirit. We need to learn to pray. We need to learn to obey God through the difficulties in life. We need to have children see role models so that they can learn to walk with Christ. Our children need to learn to talk, and that's telling God's story and how their story intersects with God's. Do they have the worldview, the picture of what God has in the Bible? Where do they fit in that? Can they give their story or their testimony as to who God is? And they know where they fit in with God. Their story intersects God's story, and hopefully they're walking with Him. It's the beginning of a lifelong journey of walking with God. Can your child articulate their salvation? Can they say it? Can they write it out? Can they put it into terms that here it is, black and white, this is what's going on, my story, God's story, can they tell it? And then we look at feeding. Are they able to grow spiritually? Are we able to grow spiritually? I sure hope that you are feeding on the Lord seven days a week, not just on Sunday mornings. Are your children doing that? Can they do that? As a primary student, can they start doing it there and walking with the Lord and teenagers getting into God's Word? Do they, are they able to feed on their own? Are they able to talk with God, not just to God, when they have a list of things that they want? And the last thing is, can they clean It gets to be a mess if a child is not able to clean. It's okay for the first few years. You use those diapers. You take take care of them. You clean them up. But as as a believer in Jesus Christ, are we able to restore our relationship with God when we sin? And we all sin. Are we able to come to Christ and we able to confess that sin and realize and experience forgiveness so that their relationship can be renewed? There's going to be that time when they go through life and they're going to get that knock on the head and Satan's going to say, you're no longer a believer in Jesus Christ. Look what you did. And I hope that they can say, yes, but I'm forgiven because of Jesus Christ. 
I've brought it to Him. He's given me repentance. He's restored the relationship. We need to know these things. And this is the part that I think is so important for each one of us. Wherever we are in our walk with Christ, whether we're a child or whether we're an adult, how are we doing on these things? Do we have a solid foundation of knowing our identity, knowing how to walk, talk, feed, and clean ourselves so that we can walk God's way? And I looked ahead a couple books in the Bible. We had our passage from Deuteronomy. In Deuteronomy, Moses is talking to the Israelites as they're leaving um, Israel are leaving Egypt, getting ready to go into the promised land, and God is teaching them these things. We go through the book of Joshua and into the book of Judges, and we can see what happens a few generations later. What happens if we don't pass this on to our children? Judges gives us a, a glimpse of what happened in that generation. After that, the whole generation had been gathered to their ancestors. That means they died. And another generation grew up who knew neither the Lord nor what they had, he had done for Israel. Then the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord and served the Baals, and they forsook the Lord, the God of their ancestors, who had brought them out of Egypt. They followed and worshipped various gods of the peoples around them. And they aroused the Lord's anger because they forsook him and served Baals and Ashtoreths. Baals and Ashtoreths are the pagan gods of the land that were there. The children joined in these, um, uh, these religions that did not honor God. And I say they did not honor God. If you do a little research on these, on these uh, religions, it was, uh, it was not an uncommon practice to sacrifice live children in burning fires to these gods. It was a horrible, horrible experience. And God's people, the Israelites, joined that instead of doing what God wanted them to do. We have a tremendous responsibility. We want to pass the faith on to the next generation. And I want to acknowledge some people that are very um, heavily involved in this, that are doing it, that are doing it. And we want to, we want to recognize you in this service. And first of all... Um, we want to recognize parents. Parents, if you have children still living at home, I'd like you to just stand for a moment. Just stand up about 30 seconds and we'll have you, we'll have you sit back down. If you have children still living in the home, I'd encourage you to, to stand up. Look at these people. These are the people that God has placed a tremendous responsibility upon. And the reason I'm having them stand... <laughs> The reason I'm having them stand is because I want you to see them. Pick one or two of them. We're going to be praying. And remember these people in prayer. You can go ahead and sit, sit back down again. These are the people that God has commissioned to pass the faith on to the next generation. It is their primary responsibility. But we do it in the context of a faith community. And we have the responsibility as AIC to be praying for them, to be supporting them, to be a part of what they're doing in raising their children to know, love, and obey God. By the way, that's the, uh, the t-shirt print. Our uh, AIC Kidmin team wants children to know God, love God, and obey God. 
I want you to hear that over and over and over again. Simple process of what we're doing. And then we have a lot of people that have the shirt on, and I'd like to ask you to stand. Uh, we have, uh, this is portion of our Kidmen team. If you're working with children, I'd like you to stand because you're, you're part of it too. Some of you are going to be standing twice now, whether you have the shirt or not. And by the way, I realized that there are names that I have missed when I made the slide. There's names that I missed. And I want to, I want to just call out two categories that I've missed. One is the music team that helps with the children during children's church. And some of them may already be up there and not available. Children's ministry is going on, so not everyone's here. If you work with the, uh, the music team and help with children's church, your name's probably not up there. If you would stand, they must all be up there. And then second of all, I do not have the nursery workers up there. So if you help in the nursery, you're a valuable part of this team, and I'd like you to stand too. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, a couple more. Okay, everybody can, can sit down. What I want to do is I just want to... Yes. Do you see from God's Word how important it is to minister to children the next generation? We're all a part of that. We all are a part of that. God wants to work mightily among our midst. And so I would just like to have a prayer, a prayer of dedication for those of you that are taking on this responsibility. Father, we thank you so much. Lord, we see in your word the importance of sharing the faith and passing the faith on to the next generation. Lord, on the first line, the, the, the first line of this ministry is the parents. Lord, they have the children seven days a week. They're working with them. They know them. They love them. And Father, sometimes it gets to be so hard because of that very fact that they're with them seven days a week. And they know them and they love them. And the children are there asking why. And they're underfoot doing different things. And they're challenged with a lot of different responsibilities. But Lord, I pray that the children's parents will prioritize the relationship that they have with you and can pass that on to the children. And Lord, I thank you so much for the response of AIC people, 30 to 40 people saying that they're going to be a part of children's ministry and being a part of what you want to do in transforming lives from the young age of 2, 3, 4, and on up, Lord. Lord God, just ministering to them. Lord, I pray that you'll, you'll help them. Lord, there's going to be conflicts that come. There's going to be a schedule conflict that comes. There's going to be uh, a time crunch that comes as something new comes up at work and they, they, they're struggling to study their lesson. Lord, I pray that you'll put these things together in their mind, that they can share Jesus Christ and the impact that Jesus has on their young lives with the children. Lord, may our children's workers partner with the parents. May they become... Um, close partners where they know the parents and they're working together on the same um, opportunities. And Lord, I just pray for your blessings here with this group. And I thank you now in Jesus' name. Amen. By the way, just a few things to be sure that you know. Um, all the children's workers already have this. So parents, if, if you are interested, there's a handbook back there that describes what we do in children's ministry. Part of it relates to you as a parent. It's a, pay, it's a little booklet on the back table. Starts, it's, it's green. One of the things that we will be asking parents starting next Sunday, Children for Children's Church, what's going on right now, 
starts after the first song here. To follow the guidelines in our handbook, our workers need to have two people present with the children and and all that kind of stuff. And so we are asking that you get your child here by 10.50 on Sunday mornings so they can be dismissed from here. It does create difficulties getting children up there at 11 o'clock, 11.15, 11.30. We'll, We'll ask that you keep the children with you if they're arriving at that time. We just, we just need them up there um, on time. So if that means one bus earlier, whatever. Um, we just need that to happen. All that's outlined in the, in the handbook, different things going on. So parents, we want you to have a part of that. Um, and then I encourage you to look at the questions that are there. There are things that you can discuss, that you can look at individually. You can look at with your groups, and uh, you can see what, uh, how to apply some of this message to you. And worship team, are you coming back up? No, okay. I'm out of practice here. So uh, I, want to, I want to just have a closing prayer and then invite you to um, fellowship with one another, depart, whatever. If it's raining, just stay around here and visit for a while um, and see what God has for you. Father, we thank you for bringing your church here together, for what you're doing in our lives. Lord, I pray for your blessings on this people as we consistently try to live our lives that honor you. And I pray for your blessings on each one. In Jesus' name.